In this episode, we're going to take a look at a viewer's question about surveillance and counter-surveillance based on a real-world situation he's in with his local law enforcement. We'll take a look at his question. It's a little bit vague, but I purposely didn't ask for more details because depending on what those answers are, I may not be able to address this question. I do want to point out that while a lot of things I talk about on here that are skills you can use, you can do it for fun or for malicious purposes or just to mess with somebody, it's never meant to or endorsed for giving you any advice on legal practices, what your laws are, or how to use things to get away with something and break the law. And I'm using that as a disclaimer, just in case in this situation, it's something bad that gets worse. So what are the things that you can do if you're under surveillance by law enforcement? How can you address that? How can you talk to them? How can you get them to stop? That's what we'll talk about right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. As some of you know, I actually use the term Bob the Terrorist or Bob the Insurgent sometimes because I use Bob as a generic name for anybody. So we're going to call this guy Bob. His name's not Bob, by the way. And we're going to look at what he wrote and I'll kind of look at how he wrote it to tell you why I'm thinking certain things, which might be a good example on looking at how people write. Do you realize too, when somebody uses an instant messenger or an email or a text or a phone call or talks to you face-to-face, those are five different ways to communicate. And typically they can give you the same message and it's going to come across differently each of those five times. So I didn't ask for more questions. I don't know this person, nor did I talk to him in any other way but one of those five. And we're going to look at what he said and break it down. And it starts with the statement, I know I'm being watched. Now, when I hear that or see that, since this was a written statement, I read the whole thing. But when somebody says that, I usually get a little skeptical. A lot of people think they're being watched for different reasons, and they're really not. Second thing he says is, I brought it on myself by shooting my gun in town. And he said gun, so probably one firearm. So what that tells me is more than likely he was within the city limits. He said town. It's probably not a large place, probably not a city could be a few hundred thousand it could be a few thousand people my guess is that he was in the city limits and that's against the rules and he didn't know that it could be still considered the town outside the city limits that could break county rules it could just be that it's actually allowed for what he was doing and for some reason a complaint was made and he did something wrong so we don't know that next sentence says i shot a three foot by three foot tree followed by no chance of hurting anyone so based on that What he's saying is, I was shooting a tree in town, which he's suggesting he either knew he wasn't supposed to do or found out he wasn't supposed to do. And based on what he's saying, he was doing it in what he considered a safe manner. Then he said, the police took my weapons. Now, when he said weapons, he said it plural. So that suggested to me they took more than one firearm. So my first thought was, well, you're shooting this three by three tree. So what, were you shooting a shotgun and you happen to have a pistol and they took both of those? Or did you have other guns in your house and they took those? And if that's the situation, if they didn't have a warrant and they got other guns from you that weren't involved in this situation, that's something you should talk to a lawyer about. Because if they didn't have a warrant, generally speaking, I don't think they have the right to take those weapons without uh, some sort of legal support or you perhaps just gave them up to them. We don't know the details of that situation. Then he says, an unmarked, being an unmarked police vehicle, followed my fiancé home. She has Montana tags and we're in Arkansas. What should I do? One thing to point out is many states, Arkansas is probably one of them, 
tends to have a rule that says usually within six weeks, 30 days, 90 days, something like that. When you move to another state, you're supposed to re-register your vehicle. So I would look that up in your state law, find out if you're within that timeline. And if you're required to get them, you should go ahead and do it. Because if this follows on to further legal action, they can come after you just for that. If this is you in this situation, I would go get that changed. Then if they come back later and try to get you on it, even if they gave you a ticket, you'd be able to take that court and beat it because you got the vehicle registered. Then he says, how do I replenish my gun stock without them knowing? And what do I do about the surveillance? As far as the weapons go, it depends on what the laws are and what the support were for taking those firearms and were you even charged with anything. If you were charged with a felony, that's a slippery slope and you need to talk to a lawyer and look up your gun laws. Because you may not be able to buy weapons even locally from another person if you're currently being charged with a felony. So you need to understand the national gun laws as well as your state gun laws. If you're only charged with a misdemeanor, you should still look that up too. If you're only charged with a misdemeanor, you should be able to go purchase firearms without an issue. So that's something you need to know and understand. What are your state laws and how do the federal laws play into you buying other weapons? I don't recommend buying them illegally, but that can very easily be done. But it's not a good thing to do. When it comes to anything that, using a military term I call sensitive items, I never like to keep them in one place. So we talked about podcasts, about hiding things around your house. I've got another podcast upcoming about documents and things we should take care of and how we should store them that I'll be discussing. But things like firearms, I always think it's interesting that people keep them all at their residence. Now I realize some people don't have other options, but many of us do. So if you own a couple of firearms and you go hunting and you have, a, say, a self-defense gun, that's one thing. But if you own say a dozen firearms or some pieces you don't use all that often. I don't know why people always keep those at their house. I know people that have caches they make. Some people keep them at other people's houses. Some people keep them in gun lockers at gun stores or shooting ranges. Some people get storage units and keep all kinds of extra stuff in there, including firearms. So that's something to look into. If you're a person out there that's concerned about your firearms and whether or not somebody's going to come take them all, keep in mind which ones are you going to keep at your house? And also, like me, living in Arizona, it's very easy to legally buy a weapon from another person, whereas in some states it's very difficult. So I have what I call two types of firearms. I have the firearms I've bought in a store that were per se registered for a short amount of time on paperwork, and I have firearms that I've bought from other people. Now, using this situation, part of the questions I would have is the size of the town, the size of the police force, and what justifies them following you. Now, we don't know when they followed his fiance home. This very well likely happened after this incident. I'd find it interesting that she has Montana tags and they followed her home, but didn't stop her and say anything to her, especially if they could establish that she lives there, which wouldn't take much. So if they were just to find out, is she getting mail there? I would have guessed that they would make the stop and say, hey, you know, you need to re-register your vehicle if you're living here now. So that's something to look at. The other thing about the surveillance in general is he's strongly suggesting they're still following him or outside his home, maybe outside his business. But more than just this one incident, he's suggesting that they are following him. And this has probably been going on for some time, at least a few days, if not a few weeks. So I have a couple of suggestions. One is, of course, for based on the legal stuff and the firearms, I would definitely look up those laws, um, federal and state, figure out what questions you need answered. And then I would talk to an attorney, at least get a free consult, um, see if you can do that. The other thing you can do is if you know anybody in the military, since you are in Arkansas that can get access to a military lawyer for free, 
see if they'll go to their military base, talk to their legal counsel and pose this question and say, hey, if this was me or this was my situation, that way they can actually have a conversation without paying for it. That's another option. There are online attorneys that can help you. I would definitely look into that. As far as the surveillance goes, there's things you want to figure out. Number one, are you in the city limits or outside the city limits? And what law enforcement agency was used? Was it the town police or was it the sheriff? And then let's say, for the sake of argument, you're in the city limits, which is what this sounds like, and it was the city's police force. What are their restrictions? What can they go to? Can they respond to the town's address but outside the city limits? And can the sheriff also respond to that? And the reason why I say that is if they're following you and you know it's them, and let's say you leave the city limits for whatever reason, because it's none of their business why you're doing it and you're headed somewhere, and you believe that they're following you and you know it's the cops, I would then call the sheriff's department or even 911 and say, hey, I'm in this county, outside this town, I'm outside the city limits, I'm being followed by this vehicle, I don't know who it is, but it's freaking me out. I think I've seen him before. The thing is, whether that goes nowhere or not, that call will get reported and you can establish a pattern of being surveilled, which could constitute possibly harassment by the police force. And while it's possible they could slightly retaliate or talk to you, it's unlikely. And police don't like being called on by other police. If you find them sitting outside your house, I would definitely do the same thing. I would call and report them. If law enforcement starts telling you that that's not happening, you can up the ante and try calling the state police or the FBI. I don't know that that would go anywhere, but you're definitely logging in the system multiple times where a vehicle is surveilling you. And I would do this whether it's law enforcement or not, just to set the record that you've made the complaints and it shows a pattern of harassment. Not to mention that if you went to court over this, the persons involved, whether civilian or in this case law enforcement, if they had to show up, they would have to justify or explain why they were there doing it, which means it should be authorized or known by their supervisors and that agency. So that's one thing to do. Another thing you can do if you feel safe doing this, whether it's an individual or law enforcement, is let's say they follow you. You can get out of your car and approach the vehicle, run your camera phone, start talking to them from a safe difference. What, you know, safe distance. What are you guys doing? Why are you following me? Who are you? And video it on your phone like everybody else does. And then I'd post it on Twitter, Facebook, or YouTube. And I'd get a little outlandish with it, regardless of how you feel about it or what it is. Like cops in town, A, B, and C are following me without cause and harassing me on multiple occasions. Here's a video. People love that stuff and can go viral and it'll draw attention and they'll usually back off. Also, even if you don't post it on social media or anywhere else, you now have video documentation of what's going on when and where and that you're being followed and potentially harassed. As you start documenting this stuff, people tend to back off, even law enforcement. I would find it skeptical, I guess, a little bit here to think that a law enforcement agency would come to somebody's home and be like, hey, you can't fire in the city limits possibly give you a charge, a court date, or some sort of citation. If they didn't do any of those, I find it really suspect they took the firearms. But they then they take the firearms, there must be a pending court date because there's legal ways for you to get those returned. So I would find it interesting to, that they would continue to follow somebody around. There's no reason for that. To me, it's no different than any other violation. Oh, you uh, burn some brush and you don't have your burn permit or you have too big a fire or you burned it in town you're not allowed to do that here's a citation or whatever blah 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 blah. they shouldn't be surveilling you just because firearms are involved especially if they took them so that's something else to look into 
Another thing you can do is stuff like you see on TV. You can run through the drive-thru and get an extra Coke and fries and give it to them. Um, there are things you can do, though. I've talked about surveillance, counter-surveillance a little bit before. One of the things you can do is develop certain patterns, driving patterns called surveillance detection routes. So to keep it simple, find a simple route where you can drive through using stoplights and stop signs in a town, something usually more than a neighborhood, that you can establish as a regular logical pattern if somebody saw you doing it, have two or three of them, where you're making two or more right turns, two or more left turns. If you take, say, two right turns and they follow you both times, they're probably definitely following you. If you do it a third time and they're still there, you're definitely being tailed. And that's when I would make that call. Even pull over on the side of the street and make that call if it doesn't look suspicious that you're doing so. You might find that very quickly they drive off. Because if they do that, what I would do is film that in your rear view or in your mirror, and I would have a camera running, make that phone call. be great if the phone call's still on there. Keep that going, and you see them drive away. One of the things that's going to tell you is their supervisors told them to leave, that they should not be doing that, or they're not justified in doing it, or they don't like getting the call. More than likely, you do this a couple of times, it's probably going to stop. But that's something to look into. The biggest one I'm concerned about is how many firearms did they take, meaning were any of those inside your home? Why did they take them? Were they legally allowed to do that? How do you get them back? It's definitely sketchy if there was no charges filed, no pending court date or no citation. There are ways for you to get that back. And that's why I talked to a lawyer because you may find out that they weren't supposed to take them and they have to give them right back to you. So definitely find those answers out first. The other thing is determining whether or not you are now or will potentially be a prohibited possessor. There's ways to get that reversed. It takes a lot longer and definitely will take a lawyer. But that's something else to look into. My guess is you are not a prohibited possessor at the time this happened because you wouldn't have sent me this message because you'd be most likely in jail or out on bail right now. And since you didn't indicate that, I'm guessing you're a lawfully owner of a firearm. I think what's interesting is that it's in Arkansas. So for people listening or not in this country, Arkansas is one of our red states, our more conservative states. They also have some very favorable gun laws, uh, very close to Idaho, Texas, and uh, Arizona, as well as a couple other states and the gun laws and what you can and can't do. So unless you're in some town that's very, very liberal, I find it surprising that this type of thing would happen in a red state like that, where I imagine there's liberal areas, but outside of Little Rock, I can't imagine too much of that being liberal. So that's kind of surprising to me. Another thing you should do too is try to keep track. And even though you remember it, get a notebook in your notebook, track down every time you see these vehicles and you think they're following you, what the time is, where you're at, the location, and a vehicle description, as well as description to the best of your knowledge on the occupants. This is another way to document what's happening that you can add to your digital file if you choose to make video or audio recordings. Also write down whoever was in the vehicle with you and witnessed it. And just remember, part of being tailed, why it's unlikely a small-town cop has much experience in this a lot of times when they follow you, especially if it's only one vehicle, if they have any brains at all, they aren't always behind you. It's entirely possible that you end up at an intersection and you see them drive by like in front of you from left to right, right to left. If that happens, most people don't look while going through an intersection of other vehicles waiting. So do they look at you? Do they look at you too long? Do they take notice of your vehicle? That I would consider an incident and I would write it down, at least that it happened. 
to the best of your knowledge, all the descriptions you have. That way you keep a written record. And if you have this record and some video stuff, you know, just as an example, and you make phone calls, let's say you call and report it, write that down in your notebook too. Present that to an attorney and say, look, here's my notebook. It's a log. I started just tracking when I saw him because this happened. Here's the times I made the phone calls. You can get those records, of course, because they were 911 calls. And I would call 911 because they record that. The other thing, too, is you're being followed. Even if you believe it's the cop, unless you know 100% sure it's a cop, and even then I'd be skeptical, it's worth calling 911 as you feel in danger because um, you never know what could happen. And there are incidents of people that buy used police vehicles and pretend to be law enforcement. So I'd keep that in mind. The other thing, too, is don't limit what you're paying attention to to just this unmarked or marked vehicles. What other vehicles they have. Are you able to drive by and see the motor pool of that police station? I would take a look at the vehicles there without drawing attention to yourself, how many unmarks they have, what kind of they are. Write those descriptions down so you can see them. Um, just be careful with that because you could get approached if you're caught surveilling a law enforcement, which is understandable. The other thing you can look at, though, is pay attention to the other cars. Now, there's probably a lot of cars, so it's hard to keep track, but try to look for other vehicles. What vehicles are you used to seeing in your neighborhood? What vehicles are you used to seeing at work? What vehicles are you used to seeing at church or the store, places you frequent? When do other vehicles stand out? You see a vehicle that seems like it's new, something you haven't seen before, take note. You could write it down, possibly. And do you see that vehicle again? Another thing is, if you're seeing a vehicle and you see it at two or more, especially three different locations that you're at in a day, you're probably being followed by that vehicle as well. What if they're using their own POV off-duty? What if they're hiring a private investigator or somebody else? It's possible, I suppose. What if it's just somebody off-duty and decided to do it and it's not authorized? So look out for those other vehicles as well. The reason this is important to document is to the best of our ability, and no matter how safe of a driver we are, people make minor mistakes all the time. They go a little farther past the white line or the stop sign. They go two miles over the speed limit. You know, they slightly cut the corner on the curb, not the curb, but the uh, line in the curve when they're turning through an intersection. Or they might accidentally cross the white line briefly. All these things could be considered minor traffic violations, and most people don't get pulled over for them. But the situation you're in, you're looking at where, if you're being followed constantly, or at least in a situation for more than a couple of minutes, where it's no longer normal, odds are the second you make the smallest infraction they pull you over and why it may be completely legal if that happens you want to be nice and professional and talk to them and find out why they pulled you over i wouldn't engage them about the surveillance um, you could do that but if they're got a really bad attitude or make a foolish statement i would definitely do it uh, if you're pulled over by them i definitely at least have an audio recorder going if not a video recorder to see them and how they're behaving that way you could add that to your log because then that would be falling in the lines of harassment. Where sure, it was a legal stop, but you have all this documentation, phone calls to get assistance through 911, video and audio recordings. And now after a few incidents, they pulled you over for the smallest violation and they want to give you some ridiculous ticket for it. That was probably something you could beat or get greatly reduced in court with an attorney's help because it's probably harassment. The biggest thing you can do in these situations, and it's, Best to do this with civilians, but also law enforcement because they carry legal authority. But do this with civilians too. If you're anybody out there ever runs in this situation, try to be calm, 
relaxed and as nice as possible and professional. Don't give them anything to work with. Because while going to court, you're presumed innocent. That's not always the case in some places. And as screwed up as it is, the second you mouth off one time, they might not no longer care about all this other dumb stuff that happened. Remain relaxed. You want to be calm, be professional, ask appropriate questions, give appropriate responses, know what your rights are, understand, if are they asking you questions that have nothing to do with the traffic stop? Like, uh, they pull you over. Hey, well, you know, give me your license, registration, proof of insurance. So where are you heading to? Oh, I'm going home. What time do you leave work today? That question is not logical in that questioning sequence. And I would ask them, why are you asking me that question? That's not relevant to the investigation for this traffic stop. How do they respond to that? Do they get real belligerent? That's why you need a recording, because they shouldn't. They should be able to explain to you very calmly why they want to know that information. And maybe through explaining that, they say something they don't realize works against them. Well, we know you normally leave at five because we've been following you for a few days. They might say that, and that's, that's bad. Or, well, we didn't see you leave. That suggests that we're looking for you. So these are all things that you want to pay attention to. Another thing to consider is you don't know what types of investigations or bolos be on the lookouts that they have that they're investigating. So even if you are being followed, even if you are being harassed and it's really bad, there's nothing saying that the time you get pulled over that cop knows about or has anything to do with it. And you don't want to get into the mindset that they definitely do, even if there's only four cops in town. Treat it as its own isolated incident. That way you keep yourself in check not to say anything or do anything incorrectly. Understand that the questions they have might be that it's related to something else. You know, if they say, how long have you had this vehicle? That's a very general question that could pertain to other investigations. I would answer that question. But the question of, well, what time did you leave work today that was logically out of sequence? They should be able to explain to you why they need that information. I would be very skeptical of a law enforcement officer, especially if they got into a very negative tone or negative attitude and start explaining why that was none of your business. But they needed to know that information especially if they escalated very quickly to get out of the vehicle or we're going to take you in because you didn't answer that question. While they could do that, you definitely would be able to fight that off with a lawyer because that's very sketchy. So they should be able to explain to you the importance of that. I've been pulled over even when I've worked with the FBI and seen investigations conducted every time something that was logically out of sequence that didn't seem to pertain to that investigation. When somebody asked why that question was relevant to this investigation, they would always explain it. Well, here's some information we're looking for and why, and this is why we're asking you that. That should be easily explained. If they're not doing that and they go the polar opposite to where they start to talk aggressively, kind of overemphasizing their ability to use their authority, that's something to take note of. I would definitely try to de-escalate that situation. Do not escalate it. Don't give them an inch. Because if you go along and try to escalate or argue with them, you got to remember they have body cams. Even if they don't have body cams, they have cams and audio in their car. And they'll have it when you're in the vehicle. So you want to de-escalate as much as possible. That way, if you end up in court or you end up taking them to court and you have all this other documentation, what they see is that you remain calm, cool, and collected. Now, granted, somebody might say, well, of course he stayed calm. He was making the recording. He knew it was going to be heard. Well, yeah, that's a self-check on you. But that's also an irrelevant statement because what they're suggesting is, without proof, that you would not do that if you didn't know you were being recorded. And that's irrelevant. So that's something else to take a look at. Another thing I would do is take a walk around your property, get familiar with your sight lines up and down roads, streets, wherever, and get used to what vehicles are parked 
on the street, in the garages, in the driveways, wherever the layout is, the geography or area. And I'd start keeping track and taking a look outside. And I wouldn't, late at night when it gets dark, be opening up the blinds and windows where people can see that unless the lights are off. Start looking for those vehicles or any other vehicles that tend to be there and have somebody in there. Think about how far away you could park in your vehicle or a common vehicle and see at least the front door and somebody coming in and out of a residence. That's the distance you want to be covering visually. And then I would take note of what vehicles are there, who's in there, or if you can tell or you think people are watching you. And then take a walk. Take a walk with your girlfriend or your fiance or take a walk with a dog and walk down by them and take a look at them. They shouldn't worry about the fact somebody's walking down the street and looking at their vehicle because especially if it's dark out, why is somebody sitting in a vehicle in a residential area, as an example, and watching something? You could even approach them and ask them what they're doing. They should be able to tell you. Or they might just very quietly show you a badge. No problem. Have pen and paper with you and say, I need your badge number because they should give that to you or you should be able to see it. And I'd write the badge number down, document time and place, vehicle, personnel description, the badge number. And then I would call and report that and say, why was this guy there? To the best of your ability, always record it with audio. That way you don't have to try to recall the conversation so you know exactly what was said. But you pay enough attention to people and approach them like this, they'll tend to back off, especially if they're law enforcement. There's one other thing I want to point out in this situation, and this is for anybody and could be for you. I'm just presuming it's not. To me, it's a huge leap based on your description of the situation for them to be consistently surveilling you. So there's something else to look at. If you know you're involved in something, then you know why they're surveilling you and they're just using this as an opportunity. And they probably were already surveilling you. You just picked up on it after they took attention for this one instance. So that's something to look at. The other thing is, who are your known associates? People you work with, friends you have, people in the neighborhood, people you hang out with. You like to shoot guns. Who have you gone and shot guns without, you know, in the desert or at a gun range? What are these people's beliefs or ideologies? What groups do they belong to? It's entirely possible that you are just a third party, an in-between person that has associations with people that you don't know that they're bad people or doing bad things. So that's something I'd look into. If you've got somebody you spend time around by choice, not something you have to do because of work, and you know they have beliefs or statements they make are part of organizations that are questionable, you may want to distance yourself from them. Break that pattern for a while. That could get them to back off because they could be watching you to see if you have that regular access to this person? Are you somebody else that associates with them willingly and knows what's going on? Are they going to approach you eventually to get you to find out about them? What if they talk to one of these guys that are bad and for some reason they tried to point things your direction and now they're surveilling you to find the validity of it? So there's other reasons they could be surveilling you that you need to be aware of. So take a close look at that. Known associates, organizations, beliefs they have. Also the stuff that's your own. Whether or not it's legal or it's okay, you have your rights to thoughts. I get all that, but... What are the things that you do? It's unlikely that if it's a local law enforcement, you're doing or saying things on social media they pay attention to. Now, if they can just freely look up your profile on social media and see what you post, that's entirely possible that they've done that because that's legal to do. But if all your stuff's hidden, I would question why is that local town doing it? So take a look at these situations. Find out those laws. Look at the things about the firearms. Can they take them? Were you charged? How do you get your guns back? Those are all legal questions you need to look into your own as well as talk to a lawyer. So that's one thing to do. The other thing are the steps we've talked about, looking at the surveillance, doing a simple SDR to see if you're being followed. Document, document, document. Write it down. Witnesses. Best descriptions you can have. Date, time, location, this intersection, parked outside this house, whatever. 
Vehicle description for them. Who was with you? Description of the people inside. You know, don't make huge guesses on things you can't clearly see. If you can figure out their ethnicity, or at least if they're light or dark skinned, facial hair, hair color possible, clothes they're wearing. If you can record those, audio and video, you can build up this catalog. All you're doing is actually surveilling them. They're just making it easy on you. And then the third thing are known associations. What are the organizations you belong to? You got home, you got neighbors, you got friends, you got work, possibly church or some other religious service. Maybe you're in school. All the same things for your fiance. Maybe this has to do with her. You know, what clubs do you belong to? What hobbies do you have? What places do you frequent when you talk to people? Who are the people you know? These are other things that you should look at. And a lot of people say, well, I don't have to do any of that. No, you don't. This is just a good idea. You actually might find out the answer. Just remember to stay calm, stay relaxed, and don't get aggressive with law enforcement. The last thing I want to point out is regardless of your or anybody else's opinions, go into this objectively, unbiased. What I mean by that is this. They're cops, as you're describing. This is their job. Make the presumption that they're there to do a job and they're doing their job. Don't make suggestions or opinions about whether or not it's legal or illegal, whether or not they're bad people, whether or not they're allowed to do this. You take all these steps, you may be able to determine that or come up with enough collected data to have a lawyer determine that to get you in the clear. But definitely look at it in a general sense. These are people doing a job and you're just trying to find out why they're doing the job in relation to you. If you go in it that way, you'll help keep yourself relaxed for any interaction you have with them. Because what you want is an interaction, not an altercation. You want de-escalation, not escalation. Now, this is exactly a lot of things we talk about here on The Gray Man Concept. And I can tell you right now, being calm, being nice, de-escalating, you know, flies with honey, not vinegar. This is what works 99% of the time. And all you're doing is exactly what I used to do on a lower level, whether I was working somebody, doing some counter surveillance, doing counterintelligence. These are some counterintelligence threat assessment activities. These are things you can do. The goal here is to hopefully get this to stop, but you do that by the process of finding out why is it even happening. And sometimes asking those questions, which is what you're trying to get the answers to, will lead to it stopping. Because you can ask them why they're doing it. It doesn't mean they have to tell you. Another thing, too, is always remember that law enforcement have no legal requirement to tell you the truth. I think there are some limited situations, but they can lie to you. That being said, you need to go into it even with local law enforcement, treating it the same way a person should with the FBI. If they're conducting an investigation, you have to answer them truthfully when you answer a question. You have to answer them truthfully. If you don't, it can be considered obstruction. So... One thing you can look at, depending on the questions they ask, is that are you conducting an investigation on me? Are you conducting an investigation on my fiance? Is this an open investigation? That's a good question to ask. Because that question, they have to tell you the truth. You could also ask them just what are they investigating? And you want direct answers to a question. And if they're dodging around it, don't play the game. The reason why you need to know that is whether or not you're legally required to answer them truthfully. Not that you ever should lie to them, but there's ways in which you could do it that wouldn't be so bad. But you want to know that answer because that's going to protect you. Because the other thing is, is you don't have to talk to them without an attorney. Even if you got a public defender, it slows down the process for them and they don't like it. Tough. But that's what you need to remember what your rights are. You're not legally required to talk to them until they read you your rights. And then you're definitely not required to talk to them 
You can tell them to leave your property. You can tell them get a warrant. You can do all of these things. So re-listen to this as many times as you need to. Take some notes. I definitely would do those steps of logging that information, at least having the book. I do highly recommend the video and the audio. I think this works for anybody. I do it all the time in any important conversations. I record any action. I have a law enforcement or any other investigator. Somebody I think is an investigator. I do it all the time. If you're sitting in your vehicle, they pull you over and you film this or record it. It's none of their business. They tell you, I need you to shut that off. I tell them, no, it's my right. I'm not required to do it. If they say I'm requiring you to do it, I would say no. And then if they want to step you or have you get out of the car and arrest you, fine. Just lock your phone so that they don't get in. And then they tell you, I want their password. Tell you, no, get a warrant. I would just say it nicely to where they understand you know what your rights are and just go with it that way. Because I don't know how this would play out. But one of the things I always find interesting, you know, when you see cop shows, and I don't know how much of this is real. I don't know a lot of cops and I've never asked them these questions. But one of the things I see on cops is cop shows, you know, they do like the, we're going to offer you this plea to bargain, but oh, if you lawyer up, it's off the table. I always wonder why, I mean, I know it's a script, but I thought if this was real, why even take that bait? I say that because the way I look at it, if I was told that, I'd be like, well, then it's not real in the first place. Because having a legal representative understands what's written down and can explain it to me shouldn't impact this decision. So if you're telling me that having legal representation, which is my right, takes this deal off the table, I would tell you right now this deal's garbage. You know, or they always say, well, I'll talk to the attorney on your behalf. No problem. I want to see written documentation, exactly what you're going to say to them. And I actually want you to talk to them first and find out that if I give you this information, if it was to turn out to be this, I want a written response on what they're willing to do to ensure this is the case. Why not make them do the work? That's their job. Now, maybe that doesn't work everywhere and maybe they're not going to do that. I understand that. But I just find those to be interesting interactions or people that, you know, on cop shows, I understand a lot of people cooperate, don't get warrants. They have the right to do that. I understand there's nothing wrong with that. But I always wonder why on cop shows they have police acting upset because somebody exercises a right and say, yeah, you're going to have to have a warrant. And sometimes the way those police talk about it or try to talk around it, I always find that interesting that that works on anybody. Maybe it's just because I know better and I have all these skills and abilities most people don't have. And I don't know that cops do that all the time. The cops I know are very intelligent and they explain things very well and they don't beat around the bush and they give you direct answers and explain to you why they're doing things. And they don't do it to be persuasive or convincing. They tend to do it to make sure that you have all the information to make whatever decision you want to make. Not that every cop's going to do that, but again, that's just what to be careful on. Know your rights. So I hope everybody enjoyed this show. Again, if you have questions, please send them in. If I think they're deserving enough to a long answer, I'll definitely do a podcast on them. In the future episodes, one of the ones i got coming up, we're going to talk about how to hide in plain sight, the different steps of doing it. And the first step is going to be looking at the information we need to hide. A lot of it's going to be online digital information. Some of it's going to be documents, things to help you get your house in order per se that everybody should do generally. But You can't hide if you don't know what you need to hide. So we need to figure out what those things are. And that's probably going to be the next podcast, followed by the one for the giveaway for these books that I'm tired of looking at that I want to mail off. Don't forget to check the show notes. Check out DMR Publications, links to his websites and social media, as well as his Anchor FM podcast that happens every Saturday. We hope you're all staying safe and avoiding any trouble out there in the streets. Hope you had a good weekend. And we'll see you again soon right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight.